0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. Today is Thursday, November 7th. I'm Justin Kojula alongside Tim Hurth. We've got week 11 preview. Big week for your Virginia Tech Hokies up against Wake Forest or against your Demon Diggs, whatever team you choose to to follow in the ACC. Before we get to that, Tim, what's going on?
1: I am watching the Battle of the Bricks right now between the Fighting Frank Solich's of Ohio and the Miami, not the University of Miami, the Miami of Ohio uh, football team.
0: There you go, and okay, that's a, a seven Wednesday to seven
1: battle action. near halftime.
0: So when we were talking about what are we watching before, I assumed that was basketball.
1: Nope, that is which football. And,
0: which channel is this on, Tom?
1: Well, that's going to be on ESPN too. So you should <laughs> switch over for some Wednesday night action. I highly recommend I, I you do that. I kind of
0: just love Wednesday Night Match, and I kind of forgot it existed, to be honest.
1: Well, so, I'm kind of thinking back, and I don't feel like it's been as much of a thing this year, because no. it used to be fairly consistent once conference play started every week, and I don't feel like it's been quite like that.
0: So, I don't, um, I don't get it, because, like, this is the time of year where basketball starts up, which, that completely caught me off guard when I was looking at my, uh, you know, little ESPN list, and Going through some of the scores and I'm like, Virginia Tech doesn't play Clemson and they're certainly not going to play him on a Tuesday night. And I was like, wow, basketball season (laughs) is upon us.
1: It is upon us. The Mike Young era has dawned. Um, Exciting time for the Hokies. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on, you know, with the maxion and everything. Also, college football's 150th anniversary is today today. Um, So Frank Solich was speaking before the game and he was quite honored uh, that the Bobcats got to play uh, and we 're the only team, well them and obviously the Redhawks um, across the line of we were the only two teams playing uh on that hallowed day so uh yay college football
0: yeah, good for them it 's got to be weird playing on a uh playing on a wednesday, but i 'll tell you tim i was in uh, I was in columbus and um i 've been there a few times, and i 'd never have taken a walk around the horseshoe right, and so i uh Ended up getting dinner close by to there, so I went a little early, gave it a little stroll, was going to see if I could sneak in, kind of like you can, into Lane Stadium. Oh, yeah. Uh, But that guy is on heavy lockdown, so there was none of that. Didn't really see uh, the field, but uh, pretty cool nonetheless. Pretty uh, large football stadium. One thing I'll mention about Columbus, Tim, and really uh, one of the, the better things I've ever had, you know, we talk a lot about candy on this show. Have you ever had a Buckeye?
1: Uh, i have not i'm let not. Me, let it, me wait, wait. wait wait you. hold on hold on i may have does this have peanut butter in it oh yeah i have had a buckeye it's
0: peanut butter right in the center yep and uh chocolate outer shell that's right it's like a reese's cup on steroids they are
1: i, I have had them once
0: phenomenal every yeah. time i'm in columbus i have to like refrain from eating fistfuls of them <laughs> and uh wow yeah, I just I wanted to give the old Buckeye, the candy, a shout out. I, I love the Buckeye, the candy. Not so much a fan of the Buckeye, the football team.
1: No, no, not a fan uh, really at all. Um, you know, and thank you for Michael Brewer for giving us all that gift uh, not so long ago in the I just, horseshoe. I just
0: thought, I was like, where is uh, where is Virginia Tech's name on the stadium? Because that's our house. You know? Right, that's exactly. That's kind of what I thought walking nah, around. We own it.
1: But- we certainly own it.
0: So, uh, you know, Tim, before we jump into football, why don't we talk a little bit of basketball? Let's just...
1: Let's do it, man. What
0: did we see with with Mike Young and company? And I got to tell you, like, Mike Young was not a uh, necessarily a popular hire uh, coming off the Sweet 16 and uh, the Buzz Williams era, kind of a flashy guy, and, you know, he was a big name when we got him, and he uh, abruptly left us. Uh, for for Texas A and M, uh, not not with much in the cupboard, and then Mike Young comes in, you know, from Wofford, a team that was uh, they made a nice little run themselves in the uh, in in the NCAA tournament last year, and he he won most of the fan base over on the recruiting trail, right? Yeah, and surprisingly, I mean, he got a couple of big names to stay, uh, most notably Landers Nolly who. Uh, yeah I might be in love with that guy yeah he looks really good
1: shout out to uh, keeping Wabisa Betty around I mean what a big player he's been um you know at least in the game yesterday but not only that I think he's probably the only junior that play has any sort of playing time on that team if not he's one of the only older guys um that's for sure so having that sticking around giving how much you know the, the Hokies were losing was uh you know that said a lot about him and you know, a lot of the—it uh, wasn't necessarily vitriol. It wasn't that that bad, but certainly the disappointment around the hire was because of the assumption that he wouldn't be able to recruit at a Power 5 level given how long he had spent uh, in upstate South Carolina with Wofford. He dispelled those rumors rather quickly, I think partly because he hired such a strong staff that was clearly uh, designed to shore up any weaknesses in that era. But one thing that was never in question— was the quality of a game coach that he was. Um, he is almost unanimously thought of as a good game day coach. And, uh, yeah, we got a little taste of that yesterday.
0: Yeah, it looked like a team. I mean, I, I, you know, it'd be a surprise if Virginia Tech makes the NCAA tournament this year. I mean, oh, they're hugely. super young um, and, uh, you know, lacking, uh, lacking some size. But it looks like a team that is certainly going to be well coached. Um, I thought they played pretty well down low last night. Uh, I thought they took advantage. I mean, when you got a guy who scores 30 points, um, you know, that can either be a good thing or a bad thing. Is anybody else scoring or is he just kind of taking over and he had a uh, kind of a takeover game? And, you know, I think with Nolly, like, you know, coming into last season, I don't know if this is a fair comparison for him, but there was talk that he was looking like Kevin Durant out on the practice floor. Um, and then the whole ACT thing took place and you know he wasn't allowed to play last season and I couldn't help but reminisce you know we're sitting there with you know what turned out to be a sweet 16 team and two of the players that we thought were going to be fairly large contributors Chris Clark and uh, Landers Nolly were basically ineligible for the entire season right you know what could have been who knows you know it's uh it's no worry and kind of kind of worrying about it because it you know, what's, what's happened's happened, but, you know, I, I just found myself wondering that last night. But what I will say is, it looks like the future's pretty bright for Virginia Tech basketball. I think, uh, you yeah, know, it's it, it at least looks like it's going to be a competitive year. Um, You know, getting that first win, especially a conference win, is always big. You know, Clemson is uh, a solid team. You know, I don't think they're going to be at the top of the ACC when the season ends, but... Um, hey, you gotta you gotta win your conference games. Virginia Tech did it. Uh, opened up the season with a nice W, and you know, coach Coach Mike Young, you know, did his best to win us over in that post game presser.
1: Yeah, no, he sure did. You know, listen to him talk. It's just stark contrast from Buzz. Buzz's pressers weren't exactly friendly. You know, you you go and you listen to Mike, and he seems like a guy who's genuinely just super happy where he is at the moment. And why wouldn't he be? You know, he's back home, but you just the respect uh, that he treats the 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 members of the media with, and and not that they, you know, not that you have to have a coach that respects those guys, but just it's nice to see. Um, it's warm. He's affable. Uh, I think it was Aaron McFarling in a on a Twitter post yesterday said he was like Frank Beamer in sneakers. I read that before I listened to the interview, and I just kind of like you know, shrugged it off. I don't really like the Frank Beamer comparisons with anybody. Um, but I got what he meant by that when I listened to that interview. Um, you know, he's got that Southwest Virginia charm. Uh, you know, a humble guy, gave credit to the team, didn't take any for himself. And, uh, you know, I think we've we've stumbled onto something pretty special with Mike, especially given to his connections with the area and everything with that. Um, but make no mistake, winning that game against Clemson was – uh, we may not have many ACC wins this year. The, this, this team particularly is, is not deep, and and they have some size issues and some talent issues right now. So seeing what Mike was able to give and what Mike was able to get out of that team was super impressive, um, you know. and it makes you excited. I was excited for this basketball season regardless of what the record was going to be. I was excited to go see how he ran his system, um, you know, and, and see if he could continue that recruiting momentum and maybe get a couple surprise wins in the ACC. But, uh, you know, starting off the ACC with a road win, um, you know, maybe you can push for a, you know, a, a higher NIT seed or maybe, you know, get close to 500 in conference would be a huge, huge win for them. Uh, so maybe that's where we'll find ourselves, but I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm very, very happy, uh, with everything that took place yesterday.
0: Yeah, he's definitely got that Southwest Virginia twang and uh you know, he's extremely active on the sideline. That's oh, something yeah. I noticed. Like you know, I don't know how the guy doesn't weigh like a hundred and sixty pounds. I mean he was just jumping up and down the entire time and uh running up and down and the one thing that I really noticed was it looked like the players respond pretty well to him in the huddle. Yeah. You can they're tell that engaged. they're really kind of engaged with what he's saying. Yes. And uh you know, I think that's a really positive sign, especially with the young basketball team. Um, well, so, yeah, look, you, know, you if he's see got it. The it ear,
1: yeah, I mean, you see it in teams that are struggling. Yeah. Um, if you it, a little, you know, just some things when you know that things aren't right with a team. If you look in the huddle and the timeout and they're kind of ignoring their coach, it's a bad sign. Um, and and they were all locked in. They were locked in, which was a good thing to see. And and you know, he may not weigh. Uh, 150 pounds uh, because I saw him after the game with a box of mellow mushroom pizza which only endeared him to me further
0: well hey you know he he already knows what he's doing you know oh he's, yeah. he's a self-proclaimed hokey you know grew up in Radford grew up going to the football or to the basketball games so yeah you know I don't I don't want to get our our hopes up too fast you know it's a long basketball season you know we've got a few uh few gimme games here that you know really want to see them run through we got Coppin state you know teams like lehigh on the schedule delaware state but then on november 25th i believe that's thanksgiving week maui invitational michigan state and then by the way they were ranked number one in the country kentucky beat them last night so they'll still be a very highly rated team um, but that's going to be a big test let's let's see really kind of where the team is at and then You know, more games will follow after that because we are part of the Maui Invitational, which I am super stoked about. So, uh, yeah, you know, great start for Virginia Tech under the uh, under Mike Young and the Mike Young era, but just got to keep pushing, keep winning the basketball games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's all you can do, and make the most of what you got. And I think Virginia Tech has a great head coach to do that with. Um, You know, in a team with the issues that we have as far as depth, they're young, um, you know, you should see improvements throughout the season. So very encouraging to get that uh, first ACC road win, first ACC win on the books with one game into the season. That's, uh, you know, that's crazy to get used to that. I don't know if that's something the ACC will continue to do moving forward, um, but it's extremely strange to open up with conference play. And uh, we get to be first place in ACC for quite some time. So I'll take it.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So before we jump into some of the football games, Tim, the college football playoff poll released its top 25 and uh, really just kind of wanted to talk about the top five here real quick. So uh, of course, we don't see Clemson in the top four, which um, for anybody who isn't aware, this is obviously a publicity stunt. Um, We've got Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and Penn State. What do all those four teams have in common? They're going to be playing against each other in the next week or two. So this sets up LSU-Alabama for this weekend. That's a nice little number two, number three matchup. Can you say revenue generator? And then, of course, if Penn State beats Minnesota this week, who happens to be undefeated as well, but much lower in the college football playoff poll um, we'll see Penn State, Ohio State next week as a number one, number three most likely matchup because number two will be whoever wins the LSU-Alabama game. So uh, it's just a nice little way to to drum up interest in the college football playoff poll. Uh, nice little way to try and boost your ratings. Uh, pretty cute by the committee there. Anybody who thinks Penn State is better than Clemson, I'd like to go ahead and uh, escort you to the hospital. <laughs>
1: no kidding no kidding I mean yeah the ratings are you know they're frustrating it, the lack of respect to Clemson is is silly at this point um but what are you gonna do they mean nothing right now it, it's really just a, a publicity stunt as you said um so you know if you're really into that I hope you enjoy it and you know let it get you lathered up like crazy but for me You know, it's just that, you know, they need to play Clemson Clemson a little more respect, but you could see this coming from an absolute mile away.
0: And let's not forget, as well, Willie Taggart is no longer head coach of Florida State. So this actually happened on Sunday after we had recorded the last podcast. So uh, a change was made in Tallahassee. Um, I don't know if it was really a surprise to many. I mean, maybe during the season it was kind of surprising, but I don't know if Florida State's going to get a leg up on hiring a guy or not or if that really matters. They're Florida State. They can pretty much hire whoever they want. I think the main reason Willie got let go is because the team just looked like it was one of the more poorly coached teams in college football. Oh, yeah. From a discipline standpoint, you know, from a motivation standpoint, you know, this this team just could not get going or be consistent week in and week out. And uh, they've had multiple opportunities to, to win multiple games this year. Probably should have won right. many more games than they have won. And they just always seem to crumble when the moment gets big. And, you know, I, I think about that UVA-Florida State game and how many penalties both teams uh, committed down the stretch. Uh, but Florida State, man, I tell you, like, that was one of the worst – It's been one of the worst seasons I've seen from a team Um, just from a, you know, discipline standpoint, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So wasn't surprised. Uh, That being said, uh, you got to have a pretty engaged booster base to raise 20 million to buy out a guy. (laughs) So, you know, one and a half seasons, $25 million for Willie Taggart. So he's he's laughing all the way to the bank.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's... (laughs) That's just ridiculous, and you're right, it was getting to the point where it couldn't be tolerated anymore, and certainly that display against Miami doesn't help, um, but the team just looked so poorly coached, and and really, um, they weren't headed in a good direction. If anything, they were trending down over the course of the season. Uh, not surprising, that's not going to be tolerated in Seminole country. Um, you know, a, a blow for Taggart as far as his coaching resume goes, but... You know, the guy's walking to the bank just chock full of cash right now. So hard to feel totally bad for him. Um, And, you know, that plume of smoke on the horizon is the lane train rolling into town in Tallahassee.
0: Yeah, I would say, hey, maybe we see him pop up in television for a bit. But the guy's got the personality of a grape. So I'm not sure that that that's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Yeah, no, I don't think so either.
0: All right. So let's talk about the fun stuff. Uh, College football, it's coming up. This weekend, big week, week 11, uh, Virginia Tech starts their four-game stretch of critical conference games. Once again, they control their own destiny. So they went out. They're going to the ACC championship game, most likely against Clemson. And uh, they've got a big one, Tim. Wake Forest coming to town. They are a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, the Demon Deeks are. So this game is going to be 3.30 Eastern on the ACC network. You know, first things first bud foster is being honored at this game um you know unfortunately he's got a very difficult matchup on his hands uh, so i'm not sure we're going to get a vintage bud foster um you know defensive performance but you know just to talk about bud foster a little bit you know the epitome of toughness you know when i think about defense i think about bud foster i think about him breaking clipboards i think about him just with the veins popping out of his neck, screaming on the <laughs> sideline, getting his hat all twisted up, getting jacked up, you know, running around, hugging coaches, hugging players. And, uh, you know, just just to hit on some stats with the guy, 881 sacks since 1996, most in the nation, 34 shutouts, 72 defensive touchdowns, 11 first and second round draft picks in the NFL, and 45 overall NFL draft picks from mm. the lunch pail defense. So really impressive resume. Uh, really hope that Virginia Tech will go out, play motivated ball on the defensive side, you know, get a shutout and get that, you know, 0 to 0, you know, end of regulation game and go into overtime and and really bring some excitement to Blacksburg. There you go. So, anything you want to say about Bud before we jump in?
1: No, I mean, it really just echo what you what you said, you know, he is the epitome of toughness, but even more than that, in the way that Frank Beamer was, he is the epitome of a Hokie. He's the epitome of what that program had striven to be. I don't even know if striven's a word, but we'll go with it. Um, he, he's what the whole program tried to emulate. Uh, and it's going to be sad to see him go. Obviously, it's the end of an era, and when you have a game where they're honoring him, it kind of sets in that, yeah, this is uh, this is towards the end of Bud's reign. Uh, and that day is coming where we're not going to have Frank or Bud on those sidelines, and that's going to be, um, you know, that's a sad feeling, but it's also a feeling of uneasiness because we've lost our attachment to the "quote unquote" good old days, as it were. So, um, yeah, it it just makes you kind of nostalgic, uh, thankful for what he and he and uh, Frank were able to build at Virginia Tech, and uh, what a guy, man. He he deserves all the credit he gets and then some. Um, There have been few, if any, assistant coaches in the history of college football that did what they did at such a high and consistent level. Um, And I think that consistency uh, is what Bud should be celebrated for more
0: than anything else. So that being said, let's look at these two teams, Tim. So it's the battle of the eighth and ninth defenses in the ACC. So Wake Forest is 69th overall in the country. Virginia Tech is 71st. Uh, Hokies are allowing a few more passing yards and points per game. Wake is definitely a little bit more vulnerable on the ground. That being said, it's going to be a pretty tough matchup for Virginia Tech. Wake has the second best offense in the league and the seventh nationally in total offense. They're averaging 510 yards per game. They're 16th in scoring with 38 points. They're averaging 86.4 plays per game, which is most in the country. And, you know, they're tied for 10th in the country in turnover margin at plus 7. Virginia Tech is tied for 102nd at a minus 4. So, as far as the first turnover, forced turnover rate, uh, they're pretty similar. You know, 5 forced fumbles, 9 picks for Wake. 3 forced fumbles, 8 interceptions for Virginia Tech. I think the difference is Wake just protects the ball a little bit more than Virginia Tech has. And really, that was kind of Virginia Tech in the first half of the season. So, that number's inflated a bit but you know one thing i, I took a glance at the fpi rankings, Tim, just to uh get a nice little laugh so they have wake ranked 41st virginia tech ranked 62nd and um right. kind of what i took what i what i really laughed at was they give virginia tech a 0.1 chance of winning out which seems That's extremely low
1: that seems real low there. Wake is
0: sure 0.5% chance, which you can kind of understand since they played Clemson. Sure. Um, sure. But yeah, just kind of crazy. So Wake is a team, only one loss on the year 62 59 to Louisville. Obviously, if you watch that game, it was nuts. Uh, they haven't played the toughest schedule. You know, Utah no. State, they opened the season with. They're 4 and 4 right now. They've played Florida State, Boston College, Elon, NC State, North Carolina, Rice. So. You know some of those teams are up and down um you know unc florida state utah state probably the the best teams they've played from a talent perspective Um, no doubt but you know at the end of the day i think they lost their toughest game on the schedule to date which is louisville who is is pretty tough maybe they're not the toughest team i don't know it's tough to say record wise they're probably the toughest team they've played but Overall, Tim Jamie Newman has been great. He's got over 2,000 yards passing, 67% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, five picks. Has 305 yards rushing, five touchdowns. The Wake Forest offense—it's a like an RPO. It's run heavy. It's fast-paced. They can kill you with their receivers: Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington, two of the bigger receivers you're going to see in the in the ACC, and two of the most. You know biggest play threats that are out there. Surratt's averaging 15.3 yards per catch. Scotty Washington 17.3 yards per catch. Surratt is 52 yards away from having a thousand yard season under his belt. You know they have 16 touchdowns between the two of them. You know it's this is going to be tough on the Virginia Tech secondary. So, oh yeah. The um, if you think about it, we we think awake is being very porous on defense. And again, they haven't played the toughest schedule. I'd say Virginia Tech is had a few tougher games I don't know overall if they've had a tougher schedule because of some of the games on Virginia Tech's schedule um but I don't know Tim it's it's a big it's a big ask of this defense in a big moment with uh with Bud Foster's uh, honoring going on at this game what do you uh what do you think Virginia Tech needs to do from a defensive standpoint to try and slow down this uh this Wake Forest passing attack?
1: So you know it's hard. The, the thing about Wake Forest is, if you do slow down their passing attack, you still have a fantastic rushing attack to deal with. Uh, balance is the key with Wake Forest, and you know I'm, I'm happy uh, that Caleb Farley is playing as well as he is this point in the season. We are going to need him uh, to shut down Sage Sherratt, and and hopefully we can get through that first half and, and get Jermaine Waller back uh, still within reach, still fighting, and I think we will. Um, but you know, those wide receivers, you got to key on them. You got to shut them down. But at the same time, that RPO offense, they do run is unlike any other RPO offense in the nation. Um, the way that they scheme it and the way that they execute it is almost, uh, ridiculous to look at at times with the way that Jamie Newman, uh, puts the, the ball in the gut of the running back and holds it there for seemingly five seconds, uh, before they decide whether to pass or run. Um, or whether he's going to keep it or let the running back take it. So in that sense, it's going to be different from anything Virginia Tech has seen. Um, You know, a key position group for me is going to be the linebacking crew and how those two linebackers deal uh, with that running attack. So Jamie Newman, uh, really hard to take down, really hard to stop when he's on his game running that offense. So guys like Rayshard Ashby are going to need to step up and continue making stops. And my worry there is the speed. Uh, you know, when we have Dax and Rayshard in at linebacker, we don't necessarily have the fastest group of linebackers out there. So their their speed laterally will be very important. Um, and, and I am happy uh, that we have Rayshard in the middle because I do think that he'll be able to limit some of that pounding that Jamie Newman can do at times. Um, you know, it's hard to say how do you beat or how do you slow down the Wake Forest offense because they've looked so powerful. Um, but you know, Bud is, has been doing this for a long time and he's worked up really good schemes in the past. And, um, you know, this game is one, I think they will have circled for a while as far as getting it together and wanting to shut it down and the overall trend of the defense and, you know, in what I've seen on the field, not necessarily in the stat line has been pretty impressive given where we started and where we are now. Um, you hope that defensive line can continue to wreak havoc. I do think our twitchiness up front will be a, a boon to us as far as uh, you know, slowing down the passing game. I think if you can pressure Jamie a little bit and make him uncomfortable, obviously that's going to be your route to go for any good quarterback. Um, but part of this is just going to be we're going to have to bend but not break. Um, Wake Forest is going to come in here and get their yards. So when we get down to the red zone, we're going to have to lock it down and hopefully limit them to field goals where they would be normally scoring touchdowns. Um, Because I'm not so sure there's any team in the conference outside of Wake Forest that can truly, or outside of Clemson, that can truly slow down Wake Forest. So a big challenge for Bud on Bud's special night. And you hope that the team can rise to the challenge. Um, And you certainly hope that the team doesn't feel any additional pressure because that's going on. Um, You know, so far they've seen, you know, after that Duke game, that they've had incredible resiliency. And their mentality has been extremely strong. And and they're going to need that going into Saturday.
0: Yeah, I think Virginia Tech is coming off some pretty strong defensive performances. You know, if, if you look at the second half against North Carolina, that was a really strong half outside of one play. You know, Notre Dame, for the most part, the entire game, team that you would say they're a little bit overmatched athletically against, held that team in check, uh, made some big plays on defense. The key to this game for me, for Virginia Tech, defensively, is keep Wake Forest offense off the field you know force those three and outs you know keep uh keep jamie newman guessing keep him uncomfortable in that pocket and you know on the flip side of that if the defense is keeping them off the field holding them to three and outs or you know two three series sets the offense has to do their job and sustain drives so right
1: and, and cornelson has to do his job in call a balanced game that keeps those chains moving. You know, nelson 's biggest issue and the offense's biggest issue this year is our third down conversion rate. I don't have the stat in front of me right now, but we're something like 90th in the nation um, as far as our turnover conversion percentage, and that's not good enough, or a third down conversion percentage. That's not good enough. And, you know, this is a game, like you said, more than any other, where we have got to keep the ball out of Jamie Newman's hands. And the one way you do that is sustain drives and win the field position battle. Um, that's where we continue to struggle. And if we go in with a stagnant offense and we go in with unimaginative play calling and three-yard drag routes on third and five, we're going to find ourselves in a really, really tough situation. And, you know, going back and watching the Notre Dame game, I'm a little frustrated with some of the calling and then the way that that game was called uh, by Nelson after a couple of decent games from him. And I think, um, too, but, you know, I, and, and, I think the and, thing
0: with that game is we're we're thinking Hindenhooker's going to play in this one. And so oh, we yeah. saw a much different play calling with Hooker than Quincy Patterson, and I think rightfully so. Now, Absolutely. there were obviously times in that game where you were just kind of scratching your head as to why would we call that play in that situation after we just threw it for on first and second down and then decided to, to run on third and ten and then settle right. for a field goal. Yeah. Those have you scratching your head a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, I think they really just do not trust Quincy Patterson uh, very much through the air. And um, especially in an environment and against a defense like Notre Dame's. I, I think with and Hooker, you know, it feels like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it feels like the team has been much better on the third down conversion rates. You know, they're running a lot of screens, they're mixing it up. He's really good at running the RPO. You know, I think if and Hooker plays, this Virginia Tech has a great shot to win. And uh, sure. I think they'll be able to take advantage of Wake's secondary. You know, they do have Amari Henderson back there who does lead the ACC in interceptions with four. Um, but if you look at the wide receivers that Virginia Tech has and Damon Hazleton, Trey Turner, you know, we saw Hezekiah Grimsley appear last last week for the first time in a while. Uh, you know, Tavion Robinson, Caleb Smith. Like, those guys need to step up. And, you know, I'm not even mentioning Dalton Keene and James Mitchell, who Hendon Hooker loves to get involved. So, I think from the weapons on the offensive side of the ball for Virginia Tech, you know, they're definitely stronger in the receiving core than they are in the backfield right now. We'll see what happens with Kashawn King. I don't know really what's going on with that situation. It doesn't sound really promising. Um, But, you know, expect to try to get Deshaun McLeese involved. You know, I, I think if we can see our receivers, the Virginia Tech receivers, stretch the field a bit, that's something they seem to have been struggling with the last few weeks. You know, we're not winning the one-on-one battles. You know, guys like Trey Turner, they need to start separating. Trey didn't have a great game against Notre Dame. You know, I think he'll be the first to tell you that. We need a game at a big play, Trey. You know, a big time what we kind of thought we'd get out of Trey Turner, the guy who Michael Brewer talks about that is missing in this offense, that you can just chuck the ball downfield and trust him to go up and get it. That one-on-one guy who can dominate a game. That's kind of like what Sage Surratt is, to be honest, on the Wake Forest side. So watching that Caleb Farley-Sage Surratt matchup will be key. To be honest, the Wake Forest offense is what we want the Virginia Tech offense to be.
1: Absolutely.
0: Cornelson needs to take that game film, set it in front of Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson, and be like, guys, when you're at your best, this is what our offense could be. Now, of course, he needs to take a look in the mirror as well because a lot of that is on him. But just well, from an sure. execution and standpoint, Jamie Newman, I think, is the mirror of what we would want to see these guys turn into.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, that, that's partly my complaint with Cornelson is is the dude just has not been able to counter punch his entire career. Um he gets in ruts. He he if he goes in with a game plan, it typically doesn't change and he really can't show he hasn't shown that he's been able to ever respond to what a defense is giving him um and that's my main frustration with him case in point when I said I was frustrated with him last week it's because I saw a quarterback out there who was struggling to throw the ball and the conditions were not conducive to throwing the ball would it surprise you if I told you Quincy Patterson threw the ball almost 30 times in that football game because it surprises the heck out of me um you know I, I think when you have a situation he like threw we were 17 in front of times in, Notre in the Dame. first half right it, what what kind of game plan is that and if you're trying to tell me that you went in there wanting Quincy to throw that much, that honestly surprises me. Um, but it's obviously the pass wasn't working, and we leaned harder into the pass. Um, so, you know, it, it's those frustrations with with Cornelson that I was referencing. Um, let's hope he turns it around. Um, he's going to need to, and he's got to move those chains. As you mentioned, uh, I, I would imagine we certainly are better at moving those chains uh, since Ryan Willis uh, has, you know, not been playing quarterback. Um, that's partly his fault. That's mostly Corey Nelson's fault in my opinion, but we are in a much better spot running the ball. And that has led, uh, to the better, uh, third down percentage. I would imagine again, don't have the number in front of me. I do know overall we're terrible. Um, and that that's going to have to change if we want to achieve that 0.01% of, of winning out for sure.
0: Yeah. So what, what's your prediction for this one? What do you got? Oh, you
1: know, a couple things going. We got the Hokies at home. We've got the big night for Bud. And it seems like in the past, these kind of big moments we haven't exactly risen to recently. Um, these big games at home where we get excited and we know it's a big one. We haven't performed. Because of that, I'm going to pick Wake Forest in a close game. Um, you know, a close high scoring game. I'm going to call it low 40s, to high 30s. Uh, you know, 41, 38, something along those lines for wake forest. Uh, You know, I want the Hokies to do it with all of my heart, but until they show me that they're capable of doing this in a big game against a ranked opponent at home, um, you know, I'm going to have to keep picking the visitors.
0: So I said before the season that I just couldn't imagine a scenario in which Virginia tech would lose in a day in which they're honoring, Bud foster, and I'm going to stick with that. So you know, I think it's. Uh, I think this actually helps coming off of a loss like uh, Notre Dame uh, a week ago. You know, because it's something that you can definitely get up for. It's something that you know guys like Dax and and Rayshard and and Farley they're going to to get that that locker room in check and get them motivated. You know, I I think there's going to be some touchdowns scored in this game. I have a feeling it might not be as high scoring as you're thinking, just because. I think there's a, a shot that Virginia Tech is able to to slow down this offense from time to time. I don't think they're going to be able to do it, you know, for the entire game. But I'm thinking something along the lines of 31-28, last possession game. You know, whoever has the ball last has the best chance to win. And uh, you know, I think the Hok- Hokies are going to come out on top. I think it's going to be a walk off win, 31-28, Virginia Tech. They carry Foster off the field, and you know, I'm crying in my living room.
1: Matt, I like your fever dream way better than mine, man. Let's go for that.
0: So that being said, if Virginia Tech does win, um, which it's obviously a huge step forward in that final matchup in the season against UVA, which, you know, if Virginia Tech can lose one game in between now and then and still have a shot at winning the Coastal. So they have to beat UVA no matter what, because UVA, Tim check out this lead-in, plays Georgia Tech this week. So that is their last conference game until the Virginia Tech matchup. 1230 Eastern, regional coverage, UVA is a 15-point favorite. It feels like Georgia Tech has been playing a little bit better since Miami. Yeah. Yeah, they have. You know, offensively, still very much a challenge. You know, they benched James Graham last week in favor of Lucas Johnson midway through the game. Johnson came in, provided a spark, but then left kind of injured. Graham came back in. Perkins, Bryce Perkins on the flip side, coming off his best performance of the season against North Carolina. Of course, that North Carolina defense is banged up beyond belief, so it was good to see Bryce Perkins perform like we thought he should. Um, You know, the run game was still non-existent. So Georgia Tech is still terrible at stopping the run. So I'll be interested to see what UVA tries to do in this game on the ground to see who they can get going outside of Perkins. Uh, I feel like this isn't a game where they're going to want to use him heavily in the rushing attack, um, just to take unnecessary hits. But you know the UVA D, it's going to be pretty tough for Georgia Tech to move the ball. You know I think UVA cruises in this one for the most part. Uh, They move to five and two in conference. They get ready to play Liberty after that, and then Virginia Tech later on the season. I don't know, Justin.
1: This feels like a look-ahead game for me. I don't know if uh, if UVA is going. Who are, who to are they have... looking ahead to? Well, who do you think they're looking ahead to?
0: They're not going to be looking ahead um, to Virginia Tech this early.
1: I think so. <laughs> um, you know that that's been their focus. That's been one of their goals. And um, you know they're getting down towards the the end of the season ish uh, for them. And you know they're certainly not going to look ahead to Liberty. Um, you know, the only real competitive game that they have left, as you mentioned, is Virginia tech at the end of the year. Um, and, and, you know, why wouldn't they look ahead, uh, to that game that that's all they've talked about all off season, um, as it were. And, and, you know, that's the way that they've always been. So who's to say that they're going to have their full focus in this game. I don't know. I don't know, man. It happened to Miami. Uh, you laughed at me then and it ended up being the case. And something about uh, something about Virginia feels like this might be a look ahead game for them, um, and, and they may not be as ready to play Georgia Tech as that line indicates. I like I like Virginia in a close game, um, but I actually think Georgia Tech is going to put up a fight here.
0: Okay, okay. As long as and again, just as a reminder, you didn't pick Georgia Tech to win that Miami game. I almost did, but you didn't. But I almost did, but you didn't. But I'll give you credit. You did call that one for the most part. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked, to be honest, to see the game close, um, just because I don't think UVA is that great offensively. So uh, if something isn't going no. their way or clicking, then yeah, there's a good chance that it will be close. But the Georgia Tech defense just isn't very good. Um, it is at home for UVA where they've been better. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I wouldn't feel confident in in putting money on UVA to cover this, but I do think they win by 10 plus points.
1: Yeah, you know, they they have been dominant at home. So that always makes it hard to pick a road underdog. Um, But, you know, who knows? Georgia Tech has been an interesting team this year. They've punched above their weight class in a couple of games, Um, you know, and they've shown the ability to go on the road and get a win. So you never know. Um, know, Jeff Collins might be able to get those guys to punch above their weight class one more time. I think they will. Uh, You know, I, I take UVA maybe by a touchdown in this one. Um, but I think I think Georgia Tech's going to surprise some people here.
0: Florida State at Boston College. This game is noon Eastern ACC Network. BC is a two-point favorite, getting a little bit more respect this week than last. Of course, no Willie Taggart, as we mentioned earlier. Remains to be seen really what that means. If this team will play more disciplined, you know, who knows? So uh, it's a team that had been playing a tad better before the Miami game, and BC isn't exactly Miami on the defensive side of the ball. They're giving up almost 300 yards per game through the air, 485 overall. You know, both teams aren't super great at stopping the run, and both teams have pretty good running backs. So I would expect a heavy dosage of Cam Akers for Florida State, heavy dosage of A.J. Dillon and David Brown for Boston College. The Boston College run game has been really good uh, since Anthony Brown went down. And Dennis Grossell took over. But at the end of the day, Boston College really struggles against Florida State. They've won, Florida State's won 8 of 9 against BC. The only loss was in 2017, which again was another disastrous year for Florida State, where BC won 35-3 at home. So, I'd be surprised if that happens, but I'm actually going to take Florida State to win this game.
1: Yeah, I'm on the same page with you. I think they're going to get a post-Taggart bump. Uh, Coach Odell, uh, the interim head coach there at Florida State, knows what it means to be a Seminole. He's been a longtime coach on that staff and knows what it means to play for that badge on the side of the helmet. I think he's going to drum up some pride in those guys and pick them up off the mat. Uh, Because make no mistake, that that bowl game means something to these Florida State players. You know, You don't want to go in a situation where you're missing a bowl game again especially with, you know, the lofty expectations that come with that school and, and with that football program, I think they're going to be playing for pride. And I think Boston College is going to catch the uh, uh, the unfortunate rebound of a bounce of a team who just got rid of a coach who maybe wasn't connecting with, with the team like he should have. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to take Florida State. Again, it's at, you know, it's in Boston. That's tough. You know, Chestnut Hill can be a weird place to play in November. We've talked about this before. Yeah, the fans aren't necessarily out in droves. It's cold. Um, you know, those Florida boys maybe are going to have a tough time with that weather. The chowder's warm. Um, chowder's warm. Chowder's always warm. You know, that's the one good thing you can say. So, yeah. um, hopefully the uh the game will be warm too and and we'll have some action. Uh I think it'll be interesting to see how that offense looks at Florida State. Uh, now that Taggart is gone, I imagine, uh, given his background, he had a lot of input in, in in regards to that offense. Maybe Bryles will be a little bit more uh, unshackled. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I'm going to take Florida State, though, by a touchdown.
0: Louisville at Miami. This one's interesting. 330 ESPN2. Miami's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So pretty surprising. Not sure if they're getting Very. a little FSU victory boost there, but... You know, Louisville has been far more consistent this season. You know, not great defensively, but offensively pretty tough to stop. That being said, this will be one of the better defenses Louisville has faced this year. You know, it's a balanced team, a strong rushing attack. You know, they're gaining two hundred and eighteen yards on the ground. You know, Miami's only allowing ninety-seven yards on the ground. So something's gonna have to give. Uh, I think Mikhail Cunningham will help, uh, just because he's a mobile quarterback and You know, we saw Hendon Hooker have some success against Miami. Of course, that's not a guy they game plan for uh, going into that game. Uh, DJ Dallas did return for Miami last week, and Jerry Williams is back as a starting quarterback. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit more momentum there offensively for Miami. Other than that, they've been pretty poor offensively this season. That being said, I do kind of like Miami in this one. I think their D wins out here. Uh, that that defense is really good. I think it has a chance to slow down this offense enough to allow the Miami offense to score enough points to win, but I don't really expect a whole lot of scoring. Uh, I just really don't like Louisville's defense enough to pick them in this one, but I think Miami wins a close game.
1: Yeah, I I hear you on that. I think I'm going to lean Louisville on this one. I am a little surprised the line is as large as it is. Um, I think maybe people are putting a little too much stock in how well Miami played. Uh, you know, I think of that said more about how bad FSU was in that moment than how much improved Miami was. Um, but, you know, we'll certainly see. And, you know, for Miami, they're still going to have to contend with Javion Hawkins, um, you know, and, and, and Malik Cunningham's no slouch when it comes to running, too. And he's effective enough in the passing game to cause problems. Um, a lot of Florida guys on that Louisville roster. You know, that's one of the places that many schools go to recruit. But Louisville uh, itself has been very very heavily populated with Florida football players. Um, so, you know, there's more on the line for those guys. Uh, you know, I'm going to take Louisville, and I think they'll probably win by a touchdown here. Um, yeah, every time I've seen Miami this year, they just haven't looked impressive. It's nice that they have their original starting quarterback back. D.J. Dallas being back is certainly a boon to that program and boon to that football team, but I think Louisville is going to take this one.
0: Notre Dame at Duke, seven thirty Eastern, ACC Network. Fighting Irish, an eight point favorite, so Duke is the home dog. Uh, coming off a bye, but they've lost three of four since blowing out Virginia Tech, and uh, the one win came against Georgia Tech. You know, they had one possession games against Pitt in a comeback in North Carolina. You know, if you forgot how that game ended, the goal line jump pass. uh, That's the last play we saw Duke run offensively. Notre Dame coming off a close call against Virginia Tech but pulled it out. Uh, I don't think Duke has been playing well enough to really uh, be that competitive in this one. You know, I think the extra week could help. But, you know, over the last few weeks, we've seen more of the bad Quentin Harris than the good. Um You know, I think he's a smart guy. I I think he does have ability. I just don't think he's a consistent player uh, at the quarterback position. That's why we're starting to see Duke struggle a little bit. I'm going to take Notre Dame in this one. Probably going to take the points as well. What do you got?
1: Yeah, I got Notre Dame too. I'm going to take the points. Uh, You know, I don't think Notre Dame's going to struggle with this one. Duke's a weird team this year. Um, Really, really weird team considering where they were with Virginia Tech and where they've been after in that game with Virginia, um, in their performances since then, you know, they, they've just not been inspiring to say the least. Uh, you know, it looks like Tony Jones Jr. is going to be able to go, uh, for Notre Dame. And that's a huge, that's big for them. Uh, you know, Tony Jones, big time running back for them. Um, you know, and Ian Book is Ian Book. I don't think he's going to have trouble, uh, you know, getting yards through the air in this game. And, uh, Duke has just been one of those programs that just something is not clicking for them this year. And I certainly don't expect it to start clicking when Notre Dame rolls into town. So, you know, I'll take Notre Dame here by at least a couple touchdowns, uh, maybe more, uh, depending on, you know, what kind of environment they have at Wallace Wade and knowing the Notre Dame fans, uh, it's probably going to be 60% Notre Dame fans in attendance. So, um, we'll see, but it's not looking hopeful for the blue devils at this point.
0: So last game of the week that we'll highlight, and I'm sorry to end it on this one, Tim. Clemson at NC State, 7.30, oh. ABC. Clemson is a 31.5 point favorite. Uh, I almost said dog there. I got to ask you, <laughs> why is this the primetime game this week?
1: I don't know it's if on it, ABC. it's Are because. Are you kidding
0: me? We've got LSU Alabama that's going to play at 3.30, and we get this at 7.30.
1: Well, hold on, Justin. That's LSU and Alabama. What trophy do they play for? I don't care. None. What trophy does NC State and Clemson play for? The Textile Bowl trophy. Okay, we're talking about one of the most storied rivalries in the South.
0: Okay, here's the deal Of course it's going to get primetime. Of course. NC State (laughs) is heading in a pretty bad direction.
1: You could say that. They're
0: coming off a horrendous performance against Wake Forest and Boston College a game in which BC rushed for over 400 yards. They've lost three hmm. of four. Their only win was against lowly Syracuse. This game isn't going to be pretty. The fact that nope. it's in primetime works against them. Why do I say that? Clemson just got disrespected. <laughs> yep. In the college football poll. Uh-huh. They're going to want to come out and beat the red out of the wolf pack they're yeah. gonna want to make a statement travis etienne has been getting going this nca this nc state rush defense has been awful this is going to be a bloodbath i think clemson wins this game by 45 if not more
1: that's a bold that's a bold take uh but one that is probably more likely to be close to reality uh than anything else you know, the the couple things NC State has working in its favor to make this a somewhat competitive game is the fact that it is at night and it is at Carter-Finley Stadium. And NC State is prone to weird football games. It can get weird for teams that are highly favored going into Carter-Finley. Um, this isn't one of those times where I expect NC State to even come close. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting nonetheless to see what kind of football team Dave Doran is able to try out there. Will they be able to keep it close for even a quarter? Uh, is the question. I don't think they will. No. I think Clemson's going to roll we'll from, the from the jump here. Kicks off. Um, and and you know, given the fact that they're sitting at number five in those rankings, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, this could have been any team in the ACC lined up across uh, the line of scrimmage from Wake or from Clemson. We'd be talking about a bloodbath. But the fact that it's this NC State team that is only outshined in its misery by the Syracuse Orange, who have been so so helpless this year only means that this is going to be a complete beat down add to the fact that you have an NC State team who's down to their fourth or fifth string cornerback starting um, and and you've got a recipe for just absolute disaster on your hands so um, look for Trevor Lawrence Justin Ross and those guys on the outside those playmakers to go out there just run up and down the field um, you almost feel bad for the NC State Wolfpack as decimated they are with injuries as bad as they've underperformed this year and the struggles that they've had at quarterback that they now have the challenge of the Clemson Tigers rolling into town pissed off and disrespected.
0: So I think I know why this game is at 730. I don't know if you heard this, but a few weeks ago, Minnesota was approached about playing this game in primetime against Penn State. They played Penn State this week. They turned it down. So that, to me, tells me P.J. Fleck don't have a whole lot of confidence in his Minnesota Golden Gophers. (laughs) That, that,
1: you know, that may be the case, and if I'm P.J. Fleck, uh, I'm not so sure I wouldn't feel any different.
0: I gotta tell Um, you, though, they're 8-0. They haven't really played anybody, okay? No. I mean, absolutely nobody. Uh, They're only ranked 17th, but, yeah, I mean... Dude, it's Minnesota. What what other chances are you going to have to be in prime time? You got to take that chance. You don't want it to be Nebraska, Ohio State. I get it, but take the chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, PJ Fleck though, he's going to do what PJ Fleck does. You know, the guy wears a shirt and a tie for football games. He's not mentally all there, so (laughs) uh, you know he's going to continue to row the boat. He wants to do it in the sunshine. He is. He is shouts to Al Golden. Yeah,
0: shout out, um, shout out. You know that was Kirk always Friday. such a strange
1: thing to see. I don't, I'm not sure I understand the uh, the allure of rolling back the clock to the point where we're dressing like uh, football coaches from the 1940s there on the sideline. But at least football
0: sure. coaches don't wear the actual uniform like the baseball coach. Yeah, but if they did, it'd yeah, be that, hilarious.
1: That's always weird, you know. But it would be cool if the coach would come in and maybe take one at bat first team i think they should start doing that they're already you know they got the spikes on they're ready to go they might as well could you
0: imagine frank beamer on the sideline in a football jersey i cut it and all and i want it God, be awesome. i mean
1: look if we have another cornerback injury we might have to get him out there put him on the island yeah. you know the, the guy's still got cover skills man he's quite a good cornerback back um, in the day yeah so so look, another thing before we move on from the Minnesota game, we're going to bring you uniform critique uh, from Tim, as I'm known to do from time to time. Yeah. Minnesota, stop wearing your gold chrome helmets. yeah. you have one of the oh. best shades of yellow in your color palette. You have one of the best
0: and it, it just't go well with the rest of the color combo?
1: No, it doesn't. It looks terrible. Yeah. Stop trying to be Baylor. Baylor looked terrible when they did it. You look terrible when you do it. Just stop it. Put that good gold on your helmet. Put whatever the first name of that, that gopher is. Probably Gary. Put Gary the gopher back on your helmet. He looks great. I just... Right? I don't
0: love the chrome. Bring it
1: back to the Marion Barber helmet. That's what I want.
0: I know the chrome is popular right now. I don't know why. Just I'm not a huge fan of the chrome. Anyway. No. So... No. I will be interested to see what kind of jerseys uh, the Hokies... Throw out there this week, you know. I'm I'm hoping for some kind of special uniform for for Bud Foster. Uh, Oh yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's a throwback. I mean, I'd be all for that. You know, throwback all maroon, something of that nature. That would get me pretty excited.
1: Yeah, and I I will say, since we're on the subject of uniforms, great job for the Hokies for getting rid of those matte maroon helmets. At least for. The last few games going with the standard maroon look is a much deeper maroon and it looks much better so thank you whoever in the athletic department decided to make that switch um and shout out to clark ruland on twitter um he had some of his mock-ups make the rounds again and this one was a lunch pail helmet i don't know if you saw that or not oh yeah yeah it was awesome he made that years ago i believe but it is what a perfect helmet for this game, that would have been, and the Hokies really struck out uh, by not going out there and putting uh, those decals on their helmet. Because man, that was well done, Clark. So shout out to. I you. I got
0: to tell you, if that if that hits the field, I'll probably lo- lose it. I'll probably. lose oh, I'm
1: it. I'm, dr- I'm driving up to Lane Stadium immediately. Yeah, immediately. You can
0: actually buy that helmet at the campus emporium. I had an email about that today. Oh, that's A little, neat. You know, replica helmet that we've never worn. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, little sure. little shout out to to Bud. So that's our show. Uh you can um go follow us on Twitter. Actually, I tweeted that helmet out earlier this week. Go check it out if you don't know what we're talking about. Give us a follow. Uh interact, engage with us on game day throughout the week. Uh you know, basketball season starting up, we'll be talking a lot of basketball. And of course, you know, anywhere you listen to a podcast, you'll be able to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify seem to seem to be the faves. Um, but uh, basically anywhere you listen to a podcast, you will find Chowder and Grits. Facebook, ChowderandGrits.com. Find us there. Shoot us an email. Write us a question. We want to talk to you. Tim, why don't you tell these people what they can do for us?
1: Leave us a review. Uh, you know, we prefer the five stars, but go ahead and tell us what you think. Uh, share the show with your friends. Share our content on Twitter facebook you guys are doing a really good job with that um yeah just keep talking to us man we like that stuff we like interacting with you guys on twitter even though it can get a little confusing uh, as both justin and i use that on game days um but yeah keep it up man you know we've, we've really really enjoyed that and uh you know we look forward to continuing that engagement with you guys throughout the football season or what we have left of it uh, heading into bowl season so you know with that said you know i just wanted to thank bud foster again even though he will never listen to this uh, but that guy is the very definition of what a hokie is and what a football program should be um and it's been an honor uh you need know, to have that guy wandering the sidelines for basically my uh entire time as a hokey student um you know an alum and a fan so uh you know i tip and my advisor to you bud period period And may I one day find something that makes me exude that much passion as you showed on your sidelines, around the sidelines for all those years.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a little misty in Blacksburg on Saturday. But, you know, uh, let's send them out the right way. Let's get that W. Uh, Thanks for listening. Go Hokies. We'll see you guys later.